It's the March 15th, 2019 School Strikes for Climate edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown. A savory stew of the last 168 hours of history broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Caspar. Yeah, and as always, the unofficial mascot for Bikers for Trump, <laughs> Mahler, the fake news dog. Very good, Mahler. Coming up, basic income. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I like the sound of that. Save the Internet Act. <laughs> Rich bastards and more, but first. You know, say you're eating a delicious almond cookie. You oh, know, you know you're at your place. Yeah, and you're there in the kitchen. Yeah, and oh. you're chomping on this almond cookie, yeah. but it slips out of your hand. Yeah, it hits the floor. Yeah, do you pick it up and continue eating? Yes, uh-huh. I have a clean kitchen floor. Yes, I would. Good for you. Yeah. Leading physicians and immunologists are reconsidering the antiseptic at times anal ways we keep ourselves healthy. Yeah, you should not only pick your nose, you should eat it. Oh. Not eat your nose. But you should not only pick your nose, you should eat your boogers. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A dermatologist in Denver who treats people with allergies and autoimmune disorders said, yeah. Well, you know, Mike, you and I and Mahler have evolved over millions of years. Well, I'm not sure. Are you sure of that, that Mahler has? Yeah. I'm not sure about that. Mahler. Yeah, well, that was a, I know that was a little mean. I, I apologize. And during the time we've been involving here, our immune systems have been under constant assault. Now, that's good. Yes. Because it's been fighting. Yes. It had something to do. It became the immune system. Now, with all our ideas of cleanliness, our immune systems don't have anything to do or have very little to do. And they get confused. <laughs> We've minimized our interaction, not just with nasty stuff now, but with friendly bacteria and parasites that help to train our immune system in the first place. Okay. And when the immune system is not properly trained, it can overreact. You know, Mueller, yes, Mueller, yes. No, this is solid science. And this is something that personally, I've always kind of felt this way, just intuitively. I always used to eat stuff off the floor. Yeah. People go, ooh, and I'm looking at the floor thinking, we used to uh, eat dirt. (laughs) Some people still do eat dirt. Got to be careful which dirt you're eating. Is that actually true? Some people, but farmers will eat their dirt. They can tell by the taste of their soil if it's good or not. Right. Our immune systems freak out by things like dust mites or pollen. It doesn't know what to do with the pollens and stuff in the air because it hasn't been exposed to this. And it develops allergies, chronic immune system attacks, inflammation. (laughs) Oh, my. (laughs) Right. I hope he doesn't have any. And that's counterproductive, irritating, and even dangerous in some instances. So unless you're at a hospital... Stop using antibacterial soap or hand sanitizers. You know, they always have those things at hospitals and yes. stuff. But they have them anywhere anymore. Right. You, know, you go walk into Trader Joe's. Right. What do they got going on in Trader Joe's that I have to be afraid of? Shouldn't I want to get some of that on me? Some friendly bacteria? That's true. <laughs> Is there a connection to the increase in allergies for, like, peanuts and that sort of thing? If they I don't know about their... I don't know if they did any research into yeah. that. But people have been getting more allergies. Now, that can be, I always think, because we're searching for those things more. Mm -hmm. There's more people out there taking allergy tests and finding out if they are allergic to things. Doctors have over-prescribed antibiotics, too. Stop taking so many of them. Right. If I can avoid taking an antibiotic, I 
I will. They might be great antibiotics for your immune system if you're faced with a deadly infection. Absolutely. But the drugs can wipe out healthy microbes in our guts and cause bacteria to develop defenses that make them even more lethal. Yeah. The uh, whatever is attacking you. Yeah. Huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> coal! Coal! There's coal in them hills. A new analysis of publicly available data from coal ash disposal sites at 265 coal plants found that 91% of them are leaching dangerous toxins like arsenic, lead, and radium into the Commonwealth, as I like to call it. They were saying surrounding environment. Right. I think that puts off people. Like your dad, for example. He hears the word environment, and he goes, ah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a bunch of liberals talking about environment. What's that? Uh, right. What's the public domain? It's the space we share. True. At the same time, a paper released online shows a way that scientists might be able to tackle this problem using a bacterial bio-cement. Yes. This was a fascinating story. Yes, absolutely. Ow. This analysis found that 91% of coal-fired power plants were leaching contaminants into the environment, or public domain, because of the way they dispose of coal ash. Once coal is burned for energy, that coal becomes a heap of ash that contains dangerous chemicals like arsenic. Right. Oh. It's a sludge kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. yeah. That ash is then deposited in special landfills or sometimes ponds where it's mixed with water to form a slurry. Slurry. Yeah, yeah. you call it a sludge. Could be a sludge. Yeah. Sometimes this slurry spills over the top like, <laughs> well, I think a sludge is thicker than a slurry. Okay. I swear, I, that's okay. what I think. Okay. Sometimes this slurry spills over the top like when Hurricane Florence hit North Carolina last September. A lot of it. Yeah, leaking the toxic slurry into uh, the Cape Fear River. You know, if nothing else, that was a fun story to talk about because it had Cape Fear involved in <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> well, that was that, that particular. <clears throat> yes, Mueller. That particular storm also upended a bunch of pig farms as yeah. well, and, and there was a lot. There's a lot of crap there's a, floating around. There's a lot of stuff in our environment that we don't know about hidden in the hills. Don't see that word environment. I'm sorry. In our public domain. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And where where we are. Yes. In your backyard, Frank. <laughs> in your private property rights. Okay. We'll talk private property yeah, here. I like that. Private property. Uh, yeah. I don't get the people there in Newport excited. So, so, and so it's out there. And because it's hidden doesn't mean it can't be a threat to us, especially when you get these major storms. Yeah. Once the ash sits around in a landfill or pond for a while, a year or two, the toxins start to leach out underground and maybe even get into the groundwater. Yep. Some ash ponds are lined but leakage can still happen. Most aren't, yeah. actually. The new report says that 95% of coal ash ponds are unlined. Right. But wait. Yes. When the research mixed the coal ash with a soil bacteria, the slurry became thicker. Thicker slurry. What's thicker than a slurry? <laughs> a thick sludge. The new improved thick sludge bio-cement makes the coal ash stiffer and easier to contain. Oh, good. Yeah. First of all, we should not have any coal ash anywhere anymore. If we can yeah. possibly avoid creating more coal ash, yeah. we should That's we should sure. be working on that. But it's good to know that this science is coming up with, with, it, with ways to deal with it. Yes, sir. Yeah. Bees! <laughs> no, Molly. No, Molly. Uh, There's none here. 
I wonder if any bees have ever gotten into KUCI, into the studio. Yes, they you, have. Don't you remember? They got in here somehow. I don't know how they did. They were coming up from the floor or There something. was a hive? I think it was out back. Yeah. And yes, for a while, Studio B and Studio C. Studio B. And Studio C had <laughs> That's bees. That's how and... Studio B got its name. <laughs> That's how it got its name, yes. Research yeah. carried out in partnership between the nonprofit Hives for Humanity. Yeah. Uh, that's not what you're thinking, though. <laughs> and University of British Columbia showed that honey collected from urban beehives can accurately measure how polluted a city is. Wow. That's cool. I like that. Yeah. This means that we can use bee regurgitation to closely monitor changes in our environment. Studies authors found that the closer a hive was to pollution, the higher the chance the hive's honey contained elevated concentrations of lead, which is toxic at high concentrations, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking that L.A. honey could make you immune to L.A. Well, you know? that's, a good... that's kind of the way it works. <laughs> I get a, uh, a Orange County honey. Okay. Right? And I usually have like a little, I wouldn't call it a spoonful, but I dip my spoon in and then I let it drip off right. so that it's coated yeah. in honey. Yes. And then I suck it like a lollipop. <laughs> okay. And I'm figuring I'm getting treated. Yes. Because I'm picking up the pollutants, but in a very fine amount. Right. So I'm getting used you're, to them. Your I'm immune getting, system yeah. is developing a tolerance for them. That's yeah, probably making me sick. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> this story, keep going, because I love, the, the, I have... Yeah. Evolved on on bees in my whole in yeah. my entire life. Wow! Yeah. When pollutants enter an environment or public domain or your backyard, mm -hmm. they accumulate in plants. Whatever enters the soil, air, and water will show up in a plant's pollen. Beehive honey can be locally accurate because bees forage within a one or two mile radius around their hives. Bee honey has been tested positive for pollutants like zinc, nickel, and naphthalene the toxic compound found in coal tar. So if they put some hives around these coal ash places, <laughs> you'd really have a crazy honey. Coal ash honey. Oh, uh, in my. Germany, science regularly tests the honey near Frankfurt Airport to keep track of the air pollution caused by jet engines. That's amazing. Yeah. So this is cool. Bees can be our friends. When I was a kid, I was terrified of bees. I used yeah. to just be frightened beyond words. And yeah, over the course of these last many years, I've grown to love bees. Bees are, first of all, they're so important to our life and to our sustainability on this planet. All they want to do is work and make honey. That's all they want to yeah. do. I used to live around hives all the time. Okay. So, you know, we didn't go <laughs> stick our nose in them, yeah. but we had a lot of bees. Have you ever been stung by a bee? Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really remember being stung by They bees. don't want to sting you. Yeah, that's why I always thought they're getting their honey. The only thing that's going to really make them angry is if you stop them from getting pollen right. and, and doing that job. Right. So right. I don't I don't know what the... Uh, I love bees. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but, um, he does too. I, I have one quick, quick addition yeah. to that story. Morgan Freeman just made his 250-acre place up in wherever he lives in a bee sanctuary. Wow. He's basically turning the whole property over. To yeah. one gigantic. And he gets free publicity. Well, he got free publicity yeah. and he's saving bees. Please, don't be so cynical. What's well, true? Well, what can I do to get a little bit of press? I like bees. Well, why don't you turn it into a bee sanctuary? I can get well, you what a about, story in <laughs> LA Weekly. What about the expense of turning your property into a bee sanctuary? I mean, what, what expense could that be? Oh. If you have wildflowers blooming yeah. on your huge estate, you got a bee sanctuary. Okay. Right? All right.
Am, am I crazy? No, you're right. I, you, I had friends in the Hollywood Hills that had those stacks, the boxes. Yeah, yeah. yeah they were making their own honey. I wish they were is in L.A. A, Weekly, too, a, then. I mean, I would... No, I'm there just are a lot at, of people in L.A. that do at that, a, at a, and, and in Orange County. At a point when the bee population are Morgan plunging. Freeman. <laughs> they're plunging all over the world. How about you, Mahler? <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Freeman. <laughs> climate damage. Yes, climate damage. A new scientific analysis of millions of possible climate futures found only a narrow window to keep global warming levels to levels the international community says is safe. In other words, we're screwed. Yeah, we yeah, really are. Using 5.2 million possible climate futures, I don't know what that's about, they shoved them into a computer yeah, and, and did, tried to figure out what was going to happen. Yeah. The report found carbon emissions must reach zero zero by 2030 in every country in the world if we're going to not warm to above 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit by 2100, the target set by the UN to avoid the Balboa Peninsula from going underwater and the Santa Monica Mountains from being a constant hellhole. Right, just charcoal. They'll just <laughs> yeah. call it the charcoal mountains. I think scientists are conservative by nature. They tend to not want to ring the bell in the town square unless they have to. And I for think the most part, I yeah. think for the most part, and I think on climate research, they're trying to not scare the hell out of us. And I think you're increasingly going to see more and more reports that are saying, are scaring the hell out, are of scaring us. the hell out of us because you have a bunch of doofuses over at faux news, right, saying exactly the opposite right. with absolutely no science behind it. Right, science has been trying to tell us this for forty years. Science has been telling us the climate is changing yeah. based on our amount of carbon I've been dioxide. listening, Mike. And I know you and I have been listening. <laughs> but for 40 years, they have been quietly cajoling us into yeah. doing something. And now that game is over. The new paper employed three practical constraints. Spending to cut carbon emissions with no more than 3% of the global GDP per year. Yeah. No use of geoengineering or technologies would be used to remove carbon. That's another. Mm -hmm. And the climate's response to doubling carbon in the atmosphere would be at the median level or higher. There is no path to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit given those constraints. We, right. can, we can't do it. Right. So things are really effed uh, up. <laughs> that finding echoes the IPCC special report. That's some other report which found the only way to keep global warming to 2.7 degrees Fahrenheit was the use of large-scale carbon removal, either from direct air capture. Which we this talked is, about. This is crazy stuff, though. Weeks, I mean, this yeah. is hugely yeah. expensive. Yes. Or biomass energy with carbon capture. Or from planting a massive metric moonload of trees. <laughs> you know, just trees everywhere. Yes. Yeah, you could do that. Yes. And you have to do it now. Yes. You have to do it now. Yeah. Exactly right. By the way, there are little weird things I've heard proposed. Like rock contains a lot of mineral in it, yeah. right? And then you could enhance the ability. <laughs> That's the word mineral. Hence the word You could enhance the planet's ability to generate trees yeah. by breaking up a bunch of rocks. Uh, take all of the ash from Paradise, California yeah. and turn it into fertilizer. Yeah. Paradise fertilizer. What do you mean break the rock? How are we going to break down the rocks <laughs> into, into a fine 
soil. They do it all the time. <laughs> it gravel pits, don't and they? And what do we use to do that with? We use energy. There's always the possibility of a new pathway opening up, not grinding up minerals, like solar engineering or geoengineering. Uh -huh. And this is the crazy idea we talked about. High-flying airplanes spraying sulfur dioxide into the atmosphere that reflect the sun's heat is a possibility. Yes. We talked about that last what week. What could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no one knows what strange beast will be awoken by that. Well, we may get there, though, Nathan. We may have to do something okay. like that. <laughs> if this news frightens you, may I recommend a donation to KUCI-FM to settle your spirits? Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. It's KUCI.org. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9 on our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com on Twitter at KUCI-FM, on Instagram at KUCI-FM. Stream us live on iTunes. Go to Internet, College, University, KUCI 88.9 FM. <laughs> basic income. Yes. Tell me more. According to a new study, basic income has a positive effect on people's health. Yes, it does. In other words, just give people some money and they'll take better care of themselves. right. right. I look at some of these rich bastards out there, right. and what are they doing with their money? They're not doing anything creative. No. They're buying fiberglass and sticking it in the ocean. They're doing that. They're also spending a, a tremendous amount of money trying to figure out how to extract more income out of the yeah. economy. And doing nothing to help anybody else. No. Some of, I'm not blaming everybody, but for the most part, that's what rich bastards do. The Canadian province of Ontario started a three-year pilot program in April 2017, granting 4,000 low-income participants a little income. A right? basic level of yeah, income. a basic level of income. Gave them something that they could live on. Right. Although the plan was cut short in July 2018, a new report said those participants saw big improvements in their personal health. That would help everybody. It does. It puts less pressure on our health care system. People who don't have a lot of money spend all of their money putting it back into the economy. Yeah. They buy food. It They're is. not investing it in derivatives. Yeah. They are, in fact, putting the money right back into the economy. And what does that do? It's good. Yeah, it's good. It's a vibrant economy. Yes. People with physical and mental health problems saw improvement through the remission of migraines, fatigue, and depression, for example, or relief from the symptoms of fibromyalgia, celiac disease, or IBS. People succeeded in gaining or losing weight to be healthier. Some were also better able to manage other conditions or disabilities. Right. A survey found that 48.4% of the participants had experienced food insecurity before, so the basic income enabled them to purchase higher quality, non-subsidized, by your tax dollars food right. more reliably. Right. In other words, they weren't going out and buying some cheap burger somewhere. Right. We're coming for your burgers. <laughs> that's yeah. right. That's right. Oh, right. You've, been, you've been watching. You've been watching Fox News. No, no. <laughs> that's, uh, no, I just heard some jackass talking like that. He must have been. Was that your dad? <laughs> no. Well, maybe. Yeah. yeah it could have been. Your could dad. have. Probably was funny. No, I mean that's what they're talking about all the time is socialism and 
they're coming for your burgers. They literally I am coming for your burgers. They, they, I am going to take your burgers. <laughs> Mahler and I are going to wrest those burgers from your cold, dead hands. <laughs> the Save the Internet Act. Yes. The Save the Internet Act was introduced in the House of Representatives to reinstate so-called net neutrality protections eliminated by Ajit Pai. Yeah, <laughs> you okay. tell him, Mahler. Yeah. Ajit Pai, Mahler. Ajit Pai. Yeah. Get him. And the Trump FCC in December 2017. Yeah. They eliminated yeah. net neutrality. How the are we going to get it back? The new bill yeah. will call for Internet service to be reclassified under common carrier. In other words, it'll be a utility for everyone. And that's what they were trying to do with the FCC before Ajit Pai yeah. came into office. Before Trump was elected, there was this back and forth at the commission about it should be a public utility or is it a private telecommunications yeah. dominated yeah. industry. It should be a utility. Strong net neutrality rules put bans on throttling site speed. Stop it, Cox. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They do it now. <laughs> Blocking sites, offering paid prioritization for rich bastards for any of their sites or streaming services or apps. Old FCC chair Tom Wheeler said, no blocking, no throttling, no fast lanes. The internet is simply too important to allow broadband providers to be the ones making the rules. That's right. That's pretty much sums it up right there, that one sentence. Yeah. It's too important to allow Cox to be telling us what we're going to do with it. We paid for the internet. That's right. And these rich bastards are just making money off of a public utility. It needs to be in the same way that our telephones are a public utility. This yeah. is in that same vein. Yeah. The Democrats' bill isn't the only net neutrality bill in the House. There's three Republican bills, which don't name the internet as a utility. There'd be no common carrier. So it's they're pretty much toothless. They're just something so they can say, oh, yeah, we voted for a Internet bill. Yeah, because it's so wildly it. popular. Net yeah. neutrality is so wildly popular. They want to at least put lipstick on their pigs. Yeah. A nationwide poll found support for net neutrality, the real stuff, yeah. the Democrat version, yeah. was at 78% yeah. and 84% for adults younger than 35. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That would be you and me. <laughs> It's barely, yes. <laughs> what do you mean barely? <laughs> barely. It's barely 35. <laughs> Mahler. Mahler. <laughs> Senator Elizabeth Warren. Yes. Yeah. Elizabeth. I like Senator Elizabeth Stepped Warren. Up. People are this saying, like, well, she's not dynamic enough. I think she's plenty dynamic. I think she's sexy. <laughs> she I like Elizabeth vibrant. Warren. She is vibrant. She is smart. Yeah. She is lean and she is mean. <laughs> she's going to make a heck and of a secretary. And she's doing stuff. She's going to make a heck of a secretary of, what would she be in the I don't even want to talk about it. It's too far in advance. I think it's going to be great to have this many candidates to I talk it out. I think they can get along, and I think they can come up with a great platform. I do, too. Each one of these candidates brings a particular kind of constituency to the party. Yeah. And I don't think that they're interested in doing what Trump did in 2016 and turning it into a riot. He won by bullying yeah. the rest of the Republican candidates. No. That's not going to happen. Uh -uh. This. There's too many similarities between them all. I think they and actually get along. Yeah. Liz Warren proposed breaking up Amazon, Google, and Facebook as part of a plan to regulate tech platforms as utilities. Warren said she'll push the plan if she wins the presidency. 
According to Warren, companies with an annual global revenue of $25 billion or more and that offer to the public an online marketplace, an exchange, or a platform for connecting third parties would be designated as platform utilities. There you go. The companies would be prohibited from owning both the platform utility and any participants on that platform. Platform utilities would be required to meet a standard of fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory dealing with users. There you go. Platform utilities would not be allowed to transfer or share data with third parties. For smaller companies, those with global revenue of between $90 million and $25 billion, those are the smaller companies. The smaller ones, yeah. Their platform utilities would also need to be fair, reasonable, and non-discriminatory, but would not be required to split up. So we can sue a platform utility that doesn't meet these requirements disgorge any ill-gotten gains and to be paid for losses and damages, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah. They're using our network. That the government helped create. Yeah. The whole idea. Yeah. We help finance. That's right. A company found to violate these requirements would also have to pay a fine of 5% of annual revenue. And that's a big chunk. Yeah. I like that. Yes. Instead of these fines that they negotiate, no. I don't speed and negotiate with the officer how much he's going to write the ticket for. Warren's plan would require Amazon Basics to separate from Amazon Marketplace. Google's Ad Exchange and Google Search would also have to be split apart, with Google Search Business being spun off from the company, too. Since Warren said this would be accomplished with legislation, it would require cooperation from Congress. That could be a hurdle, but I don't know. I think... Public opinion is way behind this. Oh, I do too. The other major part of Warren's plan would use existing antitrust laws to unwind anti-competitive mergers, like Amazon's purchase of Whole Foods and Zappos, Facebook's purchases of WhatsApp and Instagram, and Google's purchases of Waze, Nest, and DoubleClick. Yeah. And this is Warren speaking. Unwinding these mergers will promote healthy competition in the market, which will put pressure on big tech companies to be more responsive to user concerns, including about privacy. Warren said that under her plan, small businesses would have a fair shot to sell their products on Amazon without the fear that Amazon is going to smother them. That happens all the time. They do that right now. Yes. Google couldn't smother competitors by demoting their products on Google search, which they do right now. That's right. And Facebook would face real pressure from Instagram and WhatsApp to improve their user experience and protect our privacy. That's right. I don't see a flaw in this plan. Tech entrepreneurs would have a fighting chance to compete against tech giants. And that's what we want. We want a free marketplace. We don't want this corporate socialism that exists now. That's exactly right. We were beguiled by big tech because they were providing us with Facebook and these things that a lot of us felt like this is a step forward in terms of being in touch with your friends and all the rest of it. But in the meantime, they have become behemoths who cast a large shadow across American society. We don't know what they're doing as far as our our privacy is concerned, who they're selling our data to, all those kinds of things that are uh, having direct impact on our lives. And we saw from the last election, more than just you and me, it's actually about our country now. We're actually facing issues because of big tech that are having impacts on our ability to govern ourselves. They need to be broken up. I think it's a great issue, and I hope she she runs with it big time. Yeah. Soundproofing. Yeah. Soundproofing, Mahler. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, we need some of that around you. (laughs) 
Researchers developed a soundproofing device that can cut 94% of the sound blasting from the speaker. Yeah, that's I. Yeah. This was an odd story. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah enough ahead. to make it inaudible to yeah. the human ear. Yeah. A mathematically designed 3D printed acoustic meta material is shaped in such a way that it sends incoming sounds back to where they came from. It just bounces it back yeah, at you. Typical acoustic paneling absorbs sound and turns the vibrations into heat. This one bounces it back. That's amazing. Yeah. And what's cool is that this silencer, the soundproof, is see-through not like it's completely see-through right, right. but light can travel through it air can travel through it so the silencers could be stacked to build soundproof yet transparent walls boy that yeah. is great news yeah KUCI will never be the same wow yeah. this is where science is so amazing and exciting yeah. and the things that it can provide for us yeah this is great, great so stuff. you know right now I've <laughs> got this thing I'm setting up with Mahler here <laughs> You hear that? Okay. Now we're gonna we're gonna stick this in his mouth right now. Hold on a second here. No, Mahler, stop it. Come on. Come on. Okay. It's almost in there. It's in there. Okay. There you, oh, oh, there it goes. It's in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now bark, Mahler. Bark. You hear anything? No, I don't hear a damn thing. Yeah. Good. That's the that thing really works. <laughs> Woo. Make sure you bring the next week for the show, okay? Yeah. Please, yeah. please, please. Let's see if I can get it out. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mahler. Come on. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Mahler. Speaking of MRIs, yes. researchers showed that actors show different patterns of brain activity depending on whether they're in character or not. They stick these actors inside an MRI scanner, and they were asked to respond to different questions based on different premises. In one, they were asked for their own perspective. In another, they were asked to say how they thought a particular close friend would react. In a third, they were asked to respond as though they were either Romeo or Juliet. Right. Take on the role. Right. The results revealed the brain activity differed depending on the scenario being tested. When the actors were in character, the researchers found reduction in activity in two regions of the prefrontal cortex linked to the sense of self. So that's interesting right there. You would think that would happen, yeah. and yep, it did. It does. That's compared with when the actors were responding as themselves, of course. And when replying in character, the actors also displayed an increase in activity in an area called the precuneus, which is linked to consciousness and paying attention. So part of the brain shuts down, and another part lights up yeah. when they're in, uh, in character. It's a great story. Yeah. And, of course, there's much more to acting than uh, just that. They, they have to be cattle, too. <laughs> Rich bastards. Yes. <laughs> Rich bastards. Yeah, this is one of those stories. Yeah, yeah. this is the big story. Everybody's yeah, talking about this story. But it's important. It is. I, I think it's very important, especially since we're at KUCI, part of the university system that's been involved in this. Well, was it? It was not named on the list of schools, was it? UC. We're well, part the, of the UC, UC system. UC system. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, correct. That's one part of this whole story. I think everybody knows we're talking about the school admissions scandal. Yes. Is that it's the same as Casablanca, you know, gambling? and Yeah, I'm shocked. Yeah. Shocked that there's gambling. Yeah, no, we're not shocked. That's the way it works. And I think that's the real story behind all this. Right. Court records unsealed in Boston revealed that 50 rich bastards, including actress Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin, have been indicted. Who cares about them? Yeah. It's 50 rich bastards. Well, their names have... people know. That's why yeah, yeah. it's in the yeah. story. 
but go ahead. Yeah, Han Baller has been involved. <laughs> yeah, had been indicted in a nationwide college admissions. Yeah, you too, Mahler. Yeah, Mahler got a couple of his puppies in. Bribery scam. You too. Well, that's a lot. <laughs> Parents reportedly paid up to $6 million to gain their children's admission into the country's top universities. That means Yale, Stanford, Georgetown, Wake Forest, the University of Texas, Boston College, Boston University, Northeastern University, and the University of Southern California, which is a crap college. If you're listening and you're from USC, daddy paid for your way in and now you're cleaning teeth. This is a story that is a confirmation bias. The bias is that people do buy their way yeah. into these universities, either by putting a wing on to a building and or they just flat out do what these people did. They find a loophole to exploit, and that's what happened here. Right, they were signing up for the sailing team, or there they were being recruited. There are or plenty for, of other uh, good There's colleges some, around, too. Yeah. There are plenty of great yeah. teachers outside of this system. Right. And it's just that they have a little club. So that somebody lives on the peninsula thinks they have to go to USC so they can wear red and gold and match their neighbor's license plate frame. I know. Jesus Christ. Two SAT Act administrators, one exam proctor, nine coaches, one college administrator, and 33 parents have been charged. At the center of the story is William Rick Singer. William Rick. Whose business was where was... Billy Bob. Billy Bob. Where was his business, Nathan? A founder of prep business called Key Worldwide Foundation. Yeah. yeah. Nondescript, but in, somehow in Newport Beach. In Newport Beach, yeah. yeah. Singer took $25 million in bribes over an eight-year period. Wow. Well, he's taking advantage yes. of you rich bastards exactly. out there. Right. You stupid. <laughs> I can't say it. A singer also bribed <laughs> test administrators to have outsiders take the exam in place of actual students. He had others get accepted to sports teams, even though they never even played the right. sport. Rowing, <laughs> I think, was one of them, or crewing uh, and yeah. uh, fencing and uh, things like that. Yeah. And for every student admitted through fraud, an honest, genuinely talented student was rejected. Right. It, again, it's an example of where the rich have rigged the system, and they keep talking about meritocracy in America. All the all these well, it shows how pathetic they it are. Is, it, it is pathetic. It, and meritocracy yeah. is screwed anyway. Yeah. Luck plays so much into yeah. what you're doing in your life. That's yeah. why we talked about basic income. Right. Luck plays so much right. about where you are in your life. Yeah. To say that there's a meritocracy that well, I just tried harder. That's why I have a a yatchet and a, a <laughs> obscene monstrosity of a home on the peninsula or yeah, yeah. in Laguna or up in the hills right. that the Irvine Company bulldozed. In most cases, the rich students did not even know that their admission has been paid by their parents. They probably, yeah. okay, I, I believe that. It's just a mythology that's grown up in the United States that the people who are at the top, that's how they all got there. No. It's by virtue of their, no. of their, No, yeah. everybody who at the top was lucky. Everybody. Yeah. At the top. You're right. Was On lucky. some level, it was very, very lucky. You're exactly. Bill Gates was lucky that he had a computer lab right. near his home when he was a young man. Right. And finally, in Paris, 65-year-old billionaire Belgian diamond importer and tax evader Ehud Ari Laniado died during penis enlargement surgery. Yeah, they were putting a needle in, and he just passed away. Friends of Ehud said his Napoleon complex was so severe that the only time he could take his mind off of his self-pity was when his accountant read his bank statement out loud which happened many times each day. 
You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review Podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.